Long ago in ancient Mesopotamia, a civilization laid the foundations for Christianity, but in ways one might not expect. Hosts Denise and Buddy Wood go on a spiritual and thought-provoking journey, uncovering and exploring some of Christianity's hidden truths. Join us as we unveil and explore the mystery that is the remnants of Ur. Welcome to Remnants of Ur. My name is Denise Wood. And my name is Buddy Wood. And last episode, we reviewed Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 32, where Christ focuses on the importance of a peaceful relationship between the disciples. Also in the passages, Christ clarifies two of the Ten Commandments regarding murder and adultery and the law of Moses concerning divorce. And we kind of summed up the uh, the episode by t- saying that, that love, love is the fulfillment of the law. And Denise and I also discussed, and, and the, you know, we know people who don't even believe in God, who have the utmost moral integrity, who are kind and generous and would never look after a the opposite sex with with lust in their eyes. You know, just people who are honest, good people who are already living the teachings of Christ and don't even believe in God. You know, there's some beautiful people out there who are who are just outstanding human beings. And uh, this is episode 22 entitled Sermon on the Mount, part 3. Today we're going to cover Matthew chapter 5, verses 33, all the way to chapter 6, verse 18, as a continuation of the study on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 to 37, Jesus is addressing the topic of oath-making. If you listened to episode 7 of our podcast entitled The Covenant, you'll probably recall how I described what Abraham was doing when he dismembered the animals and made the covenant with God. I'd like to quickly review. A covenant is an ancient Mesopotamian practice where two entities would come together and make a deal. The one providing the goods or services is the oath maker. Example, I swear to provide this product to you. The ritual involves the two parties bringing an animal, naming the animal with the name of the oath maker, and dismembering the animal. It is a sign that if the oath maker reneges on his promise, then the same dismemberment will happen to the oath maker. In Matthew 33, Jesus is addressing the ancient practice that had been handed down through the generations in the Jewish culture and saying to stop doing it. So Jesus tells his disciples, don't swear by heaven, Don't swear by the earth, not by Jerusalem, and not even by your own head. Don't make oaths at all, but rather let your yes be yes and your no be no, for whatever is more than this comes of evil. You know, and that just comes back to the old, just be a man of your word. You know, a handshake's good enough. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's the old cowboy code. I mean, come on, you know. (laughs) This passage is important because Christ is not only condemning the Mesopotamian ritual, but he is requiring simple honesty and reliability 
from his disciples. The next set of verses, Matthew 5, 38-48, addresses the principle of les talionis, that the laws of Moses are based upon. Les talionis was the legal code that King Hammurabi of Babylon in ancient Mesopotamia developed almost 1,800 years before the birth of Christ. His legal system was based upon an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. When Moses wrote his laws, he adopted Hammurabi's code. In verse 33, Christ is saying to his disciples that you have been taught an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you that you resist not evil. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If a man sues you and takes away your coat, give him your cloak also. If someone asks you to go a mile with them, go with them too. Give to him that asks, and if someone asks to borrow something, just give it to him. Christ continues in verse 43, that you have heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good for them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use and persecute you that you may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Don't even the publicans do the same? I want to mention here about who the publicans were. The publicans were Jewish citizens who agreed to cooperate with Rome and collect tax money from the Jewish people. They were considered traitors, unfaithful, and counted with the sinners during the days of Christ. So Christ continues, If you salute your brother only, what are you doing more than any other person? Don't even the publicans do that? And in verse 48, Christ is saying that if the disciples will love their enemies, then they will be complete or perfect, as God in heaven is perfect. And I just want to say here that this is a very important teaching of Christ to his disciples, because loving your enemy is not normal human behavior. And he is asking them to do something superhuman in order to enter into the kingdom of God. All these things that Christ listed about how to deal with your enemies takes a high level of spirituality to achieve and lots of practice. Christ is our great example, as he said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. So moving on with the teachings of Christ as he was speaking to his disciples, we come to Matthew chapter 6, verses 1-18. through 18. And these passages all deal with how to avoid being like the religious leaders who make a pious show to be seen by people. And before we start, this is different than the words he spoke earlier to them about letting your good deeds shine before men that people may glorify God. Those are the works in which God is working through a human, like when Christ healed the people. He did it openly we are to let those deeds shine. Matthew 6, 1-18 is dealing with attention-seeking religious behavior, people who would sound a trumpet when giving alms to the poor, people who would disfigure their faces when they fast so everyone will acknowledge their dedication to God, 
And lastly, the ones who make the really long, obnoxious prayers full of vain repetitions, we have all been there, and they are really uncomfortable. Rather than acting like that, Jesus is teaching his disciples to do exactly the opposite, to give in private and to not let people know when they are fasting. Jesus taught that if they would do these things in private, that God would reward them openly. And lastly, Christ taught them how to pray. First of all, he said, don't be out in public making a scene like the religious hypocrites. When you pray, enter into your closet and shut the door. And then he says, do not use vain repetitions. You don't need to be wordy because your father knows what you need before you ask him. Christ said to pray after this manner. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means greatly revered. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I just want to bring attention to the term temptation in the Lord's Prayer and clarify just what Jesus was talking about. In episode 12 of our podcast, we talked about Abraham's sacrifice. In Genesis, it is recorded that God tempted Abraham. The word tempted can be translated to tested. And in episode 12, we discussed how God tested Abraham to see how well he was shedding the Mesopotamian culture that he had left a long time before and was wanting to see if he was picking up the Canaanite practices of sacrificing children. You see, Abraham had been walking with God and living in Canaan for over 30 years when God put him to the test. So Jesus is saying in his prayer to ask God not to test us, which is referring indirectly to Abraham, but deliver us from evil. In other words, Christ is saying, please deliver us from the evil influences of our culture that would pervert a pure understanding of God so you don't have to test me like you did with Abraham. If Abraham had truly known the heart of God, he would have known that it was just a test and Abraham would have said, no, Lord, you would never ask me to sacrifice my child. And God's response would have been, good job, Abraham, you do know me and you pass the test. I just want to say that we are spending so much time studying the words of Christ, known as the Sermon on the Mount, because they are the Lord's instructions on how his disciples can enter into the kingdom of God. It is our desire to speak the words of Christ and declare his generation, because he was cut off from the land of the living. Like Isaiah said in chapter 53, Jesus was silenced that day by wicked men who loved religion more than they loved God. And today we are here to lift up Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and speak his words and his message of the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. If you're interested, our book, 
Remnants of Ur, is available on Amazon. If you have any questions or comments, our email is remnantsover at gmail.com.